Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. You and can they do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Uh, today, hopefully this time works, uh, I'm joined with Alan Bolin. Did, did everything come through? Can you hear me all right? I Crystal clear. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you coming on and I want to dive into some stuff. I'm uh, actually fogging at the moment. I was just telling you, I'm getting in from running and shooting for a caribou hunt uh, in Alaska that oh, nice. I'm getting ready for with... Uh, I'm actually taking my daughter and my wife, uh, my nine-year-old and my wife, uh, we're driving yeah. the hall road and just, uh, doing the, So you guys are doing it yourselves. Yeah. I've never been to Alaska. That be never, so fun. Yeah. It, I hope it, I hope it's fun. I, I feel this is like the first big hunt I've convinced, uh, them to go on with me. Yeah. So I just that's, went balls. Deep. That's awesome. I, I recommend to take a jerry can. A what? Oh, uh, I, we call them jerry can in Canada, at, like a, a gas can. Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding because the whole road is a big place. Yes. I've, I've been told some, I think I'm doing like, I don't know, like 10 extra gallons at least, uh, yeah, yeah. because it's expensive and, and everything else. One guy was telling me like, 
I forgot. He said like, you got to bring like 50 gallons. Uh, and I don't know that I'm going to be needing an extra 50 gallons, uh, riding around in the back of my truck. So I'll probably, probably dial that back a little bit, but yeah, it just depends how far you're venturing out and where your refill points are. I'm sure you'll plan all that out, but that, that sounds really exciting. So is the gig up there? I haven't done it, but if I recall, you can only bow hunt within five miles of that road. Yeah. Yep. So it'll be totally bow hunting. I'm not going to get the girls, uh, going five miles into the tundra this time. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah, working yeah. our way up to it. So we'll probably five miles it. is a long ways to carry a caribou. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. it'll be mostly carried by me. And so I, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll probably want to cut that distance down as much as yeah. I can. So, yeah. So anyways, well, Alan, I, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, uh, prior to the, the episode, I've been following you guys field ethos, field ethos, bow hunting. And it started with this dying broke, uh, article that I, I don't know how I found, um, thought it was kind of fun, uh, and, and kind of cool. And it started with the like Solomon quote and everything. And, and so I was like, Oh, give these guys a follow. And since, um, you know, you guys are doing some pretty interesting things and, and uh, definitely a different take on uh, hunting, um, bow hunting, uh, conservation and, and things like that. So I was like, yeah. man, I got to get these guys on. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the invite. I'm uh, definitely more on the mo- on the bow hunting side of things. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, a lot of the brand is, is uh, focused on guns, second amendment stuff. Um, you know, and, and even, you know, a lot of hunting, but just outdoors in general and general enjoyment of, of, uh, the outdoors and, and even making it entertaining. Obviously field ethos has quite a flair to it. It's pretty fun. Um, Jason who runs our show, social has a great sense of humor. And I, I think it's, he's ma- he makes it a lot of fun. He keeps but telling people that, to take a lap. Yeah. And I, love I can that. appreciate that. My growing up, my friends and I would, tell each other to take a lap or that's a, you'd say that's a chop, you know, if you just do something yeah. stupid. So I can yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Oh, that's good. See, I hadn't heard that before other than coming out of my coach's mouth in some sport. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't heard it among friends. So I do like that, but yeah, it's, you know, the brand is um, it's really blown up in a big way. Uh, you know, Don jr is one of the founders. And so uh, he's, he's helped bring some attention to the brand, but I think people really like it resonates with people because, you know, you look at today's hunting media and a lot of it, you know, you say, you know, look at somebody, you know, like meat eater, for example, a brand like that. And although they are probably attracting a lot of non-hunters to the brand, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. I don't believe that they speak to your average hunter. Right. And at least none of my friends think that way or care for that type of entertainment. And, you know, my friends are, are more into say trophy hunting and challenging themselves and going on big hunts and these different things that I guess, you know, they're, I, you know, Phil ethos is trying to be a brand that speaks to the everyday hunter and actually doesn't lie about why we do the things we do. Because a lot of these brands are lying. They, they pretend like literally we hunt for meat. Now, the meat's a byproduct, but uh, frankly, it's way easier to go to Costco and buy a ribeye and probably more tasty. <laughs> so, so, like, why lie about it? And, you know, I, we do it because we love it. it. It is extremely challenging. It is a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's an adventure. 
it's an adventure to put on a backpack and go explore and try to find a particular animal and, and hunt them down, take care of the meat, pack it out, ride on a float plane. I mean, there's all these different things, right? right. But that's what it's about. And um, I like that. I like that because I feel like a lot of hunting is apologetic in some yes. sense. Like you're like, yeah, I feel like you're just constantly apologizing or, right. or the other extreme is you're just picking a fight. Like right. stupid vegans can't do this stupid stupid. And it's like, why can't you just, and what I've always been drawn to other than the writing is your, um, your sense of this is fun. Like this is adventure. Yeah. This is cool. Uh, and like, again, like you said, the food is great and we love to eat, you know, wild game and, and sure. everything else. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge part of it. But to say that's the only part is, I don't think that's totally honest. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, the excuse or whatever the, like you said, the apology, you know, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. That part, I kind of, I go out of my way, you know, I I remember, so I owned a hunting outfit in British Columbia for 17 years. I just sold it last winter, Bull and Lewis Trophy Guiding. And um, about 10 years ago, somebody came to me and said, you know, your your guys' name, Bull and Lewis Trophy Guiding. It's it's a little bit offensive to some people who don't understand. And, and, you know, it was kind of new to me at, you know, the whole sort of woke hunting <laughs> yeah. has, has come about. It was kind of new to me. So I listened and I was like, you know what, that, that's a good point. And so we actually started leaving the trophy guiding off of a lot of things and just started calling it Bowen Lewis because, you know, whatever, why offend somebody and push them away? And so, so that kind of made sense to me. And then, you know, time goes on and people say, you know, when you post stuff on Facebook or Instagram, maybe you should mention that you eat the meat. I'm like, well, you know, that's probably a good idea. I, I guess that makes sense. Sure. So I, I started doing that, right? So I started like getting sucked into this ideology a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I, I, we're to the point where people are, are sauteing elk asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wait, have we taken this too far? And so now I, I've backlashed. Yeah. Like, I intentionally... Don't mention that I eat the meat. Now I do eat the meat. Of course. But I intentionally don't because I just like, I don't want to conform to this anymore. I'm sick of it. Yeah. And um, I, and that's what happens a lot of times when things go too far one direction, there's a backlash. Yeah. And I think maybe a lot of the fans of Field Ethos are kind of sick of things. Yeah. They're kind of sick of that woke hunting mentality. And they're like, you know what? Let's just say this is what it is. We're having fun doing what we love to do. Yeah. Getting out there, getting dirty. And, and like, like you guys talk about a lot and you've mentioned is, is there's a trophy hunting aspect to it, Yeah, uh, which people get real up in arms about that we're the term trophy hunting. The fact that you guys kind of lean into it is bold because not many other groups are, I mean, there you see articles about how awful and destructive trophy hunting is. And I feel like the average person might agree with that, not knowing that the whole idea behind a trophy hunt was actually to preserve and conserve that's uh, right and to measure to measure our success right as concert you know in conservation and uh and also i i believe that there is something about the trophy hunt that you know it's like you know why do people keep scoring a basketball game yeah it's more fun like why do people climb everest because you know whatever it's an accomplishment how do you measure that you know and there's a, there's a group of people that hate trophy hunting because they don't understand it. And they think that it's, it's killing for sport and there's right. that group, but there's another group of hardcore hunters that are also against it because 
and I wouldn't call them, I, I wouldn't say hardcore hunters. Actually, I take back that hardcore word, but avid hunters yeah. that, that don't like it because they don't want to have to measure things, mm. you know, like on social media or whatever, they want to, they want to be able to post, you know, a little buck, a two-year-old and pretend like it's some kind of giant and they don't want to put a tape measure on it sure. because, you know, it sort of proves their lie wrong, you know, and I don't know, I'm getting whatever. I just, some of this stuff bothers me and I'm not speaking on behalf of Phil Lethos. This is Alan Boland speaking sure. that like, I, I, I think that if, if, you know, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing you can hunt for whatever reason you want to hunt for. Sure. People, like if somebody really wants to hunt just for the sheer enjoyment and meat, that's awesome. Do that. Yeah. Where I have a problem is if, if somebody's twisting, like they're hunting for a trophy, whatever, but they won't admit it. Right. Or, or they're, they're hunting to entertain people, but they pretend like they killed a trophy when it's not really giant. It's like a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So those kind of things, those, I don't like those deceptions. You know, I'm flat out unapologetic trophy hunter. You look behind me, like everything you see there on this wall is Boone and Crockett, you know, and killed with a bow. Like that's my obsession. Yeah. My obsession is archery killed Boone and Crockett animals. Um, I have to date, I have more Boone and Crockett species killed with a bow than any other hunter uh, on earth. And that's my thing. That's you what have, I do. Is that right now? That's yeah, you're like a, right. a record holding dude. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like to kill booners with my bow. That's what I chase. And, and I happen to have more species than anybody else. And it's been a lot of work. Yeah. I'm telling you killing a booner with your bow is in my opinion, one of the pinnacle achievements in all of honey. It is so difficult. Yeah. An all-time booner. I'm not talking like the three-year book. I'm talking all-time booners. They are extremely rare and they're the oldest, smartest critter in the woods. And, um, and they're the most sought after, you know, thing in hunting. And if you do it with a bow, it makes it that much harder. And, um, to me, like as somebody who puts in a tremendous amount of time pursuing this, like, I feel like I know trophy hunting better than most people. Right. You know, it's my life. Right. I got to ask then what is, what's a trophy then? What, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, you know, the trophies in the eye, eye of the beholder, sure, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, sure. I don't, I'm not one to say, you know, somebody goes out and shoots their first doe and they're really excited to them. Yeah. That is a trophy. Okay. Yep. But that's very altruistic. You know, I mean, <laughs> the Boone and Crockett club, I, I believe that an animal that scores into the Boone and Crockett club is my definition of a, of a giant trophy. Yeah. You know, now, could something less than that or something that doesn't net out still be a trophy? Of course. Of course. Yeah. It can. There's objective no, but, trophy and then subjective. Like the objective yeah. is, all right, here's take out the tape measure, measure the skull, yeah. measure the antlers. Here's what yeah. you got. And then a yeah. subjective trophy would be like, you know, last last year I went and hunted at this weird island in, in Lake Michigan. You know, I was there for, for oh, a few wow. days, shot a, it wasn't a big buck, but like I was stoked yeah. you know rattled it in i took this it was a whole thing to get it awesome right so there's both right it, which I, I think is what your point is but i think i think and and you know kind of going along with you said um to to act like uh you don't look at score or think about inches or anything like that maybe there are some people that do it but i i think there's more people that like think it than actually will admit like i you know yeah. like you want to go out there and shoot a big buck and 
the history behind scoring the Boone and Crockett club is to cool. you know, get people to take older animals to, to mm-hmm. improve the population, to put a score on it. So there's an economic value and economic value drives personal value. So you're going to care about it. So you're going to treat it better. Um, and, and to forget all that, it's just some com- kind of socialist. I don't know what, like, it's just, it's, it's woke hunting, real. man. It's woke yeah. hunting. It is. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, the scoring systems and this and that, and some people may say, well, I don't like Boone and Crockett's scoring system and the net stuff. And frankly, I don't either. Like there's things I don't like, but it is what it is. And so it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. fun to me. Okay. So here's how we define it. So if the animal has a, a deduction or whatever in the score, it is what it is. It doesn't make it like any less of an animal, yeah. but it, it is fun to try to find ones that meet that criteria. Exactly. It's like, a, it's like a game, you gamify it and you have a lot of fun out there chasing and doing like, I, I uh, went on a three-year journey to kill a Boone and Crockett Sitka black-tailed deer with my bow. And um, in those three years, each year I saw over a hundred different bucks that I passed yeah. before I shot a buck. And the first two years I shot bucks that fell just short of the all-time mark they hit the three-year bookmark, but they sh- fell short of the all-time mark. And to put this in perspective, there's only been nine in the history of recorded recorded record books that make Moon and Crockett that were killed with a bow. So there's right. not like it happens all the time. There's only been nine, you know? And, you know, Stone Sheep, there's only been three. You know, there's Doll Sheep, there's only been two. So killing Booners with a bow puts them usually in the top 10 for a lot of animals. But, you know, I was able to spend approximately 35 days backpacking in Alaska over three years and look over about 340 different bucks while I spent 35 days living out of my backpack and kill three bucks that were all giants. Yeah. And I finally did get the booner on the third year, but that experience, like I could have walked up the first day and arrowed a deer. In fact, my son did the very first day of the first year, my 16 year old son shot a really nice deer, like a five by five, a nice buck, but he was a little bit more of a basket rack. But somebody tell me where in that experience of spending 35 days and passing 340 different bucks. Yeah. Where in that experience did I go wrong? Exactly. Compared to going up there and shooting the first thing I saw. Yeah. Because that I got the full enjoyment of that species of Southeast Alaska, of backpacking, of like seeing bears and eagles and crossing rivers and mountain ranges and getting stuck in my tent for days on end with fog and blowing rain and wind and being soaking wet and lost in the fog and almost having to stay out overnight without my tent. All these different experiences. I got experience because of one thing. Yeah. I was after a booner with my bow. So I chose to do something extremely difficult that forced me to stay out for a very long period of time and observe nature to its fullest. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you're holding out means you get to spend more time out there, and which yeah. actually ends up meaning, meaning you see more of the animal you're hunting, learn more about it, learn more about. And so like yeah. maybe the trophy hunting part of it actually enriches the experience more than to me. It does. You're just going out and blasting something, you know, out of the back of the truck, the biggest one you can find and throwing it away when you're done. Right. Yeah. So, uh, 35 days for, for one deer. Um, and you've not, that's not the first time I was, again, I was doing some research here ahead of time. I saw you, you took, you, you wrote about hunting an antelope, uh, that you hunted 11 days for without shooting one, you're going to go again. And, and you yeah. kind of see it all as this one big hunt rather than seeing it as, oh, my 11 day hunt was a failure because I didn't, right. done, which I, 
I started talking about more uh, on this podcast because, you know, we're, we're in Michigan. So like primarily our, our thing is whitetail deer, right? So, you, you know, uh, talking about success and failure in a year, uh, is if it's changes when you kind of zoom out a little bit and, and span something behind maybe a given season, uh, mm-hmm. which I like what you did. Um, and this is all a roundabout way of me asking you like, so you're, you're like going after, a, a, you know, 11 days after this antelope, 35 days, living out of your backpack, doing all these, these hunts around the world. If you look behind you, you've got elk and caribou and grizzly bear. And I saw some sheep and stuff. Um, how, like, when did you start doing this? Like, how long have you been, you, you're not a terribly old guy, but you got trophies on trophies. Yeah, I'm 46. 46. 46. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, my dad did not hunt growing up. And um, my grandfather told me hunting stories um, yeah. from when he was younger, but he didn't hunt as an, as like, they moved to Southern California, you know, when my dad was very young. And so they didn't hunt. And and, uh, but these stories, my grandfather told me just like, they enthralled me. I, I couldn't believe how cool it sounded to like hike into the mountains and elk hunt, you know, and he was doing this during the depression to feed the family. And, and it was just like these amazing stories. He had this one story and we, he shot this elk and he went up there and there were two dead elk and he'd killed both of them. And it was like, <laughs> and this was in like, this was in the 1930s, you know? Yeah. And it was like, Oh, what do I do? And so he had to get a friend and they were just, they were tagging animals in the 1930s. I mean, just really cool stuff. But as a, as a, as a young kid, I think I was around 11. We had this magazine drive at school and, uh, yeah. and like you said, you know, you try to sell magazine subscriptions and you win prizes. Well, I was like one subscription short. So I personally bought the outdoor life subscription. Ah, uh, very good call. Uh, yeah. Three year subscription and outdoor life was way different back then than it is today. Yeah. I don't read it today, but back then I had all these stories that these really cool stories. And I read for three years as 12, 13, 14 year old, I read every issue cover to cover sometimes twice. And I became just obsessed with this idea of hunting. And I just wanted to do it. So bad. I begged my dad to take me and he did, he did like, he bought me a shotgun. We were in a shotgun only area, um, urban area. And anyway, he took me out a few times. We never shot anything. And then I got into wrestling. I wrestled in, in high school and college. So I kind of got distracted, but literally when I stopped college wrestling, I said, I'm going to start hunting. This yeah. is what I want to do. And so I was like 22 to 23 years old. And I started hunting and one season of rifle hunting. And I thought, what about bow hunting? Mm-hmm. And I bought a bow and that was it. So I killed one deer my first year with a rifle. And then I've been bow hunting ever since, since I was 24 years old. And um, my mind, the way it works is I quickly like it went from, I want to kill something to, I want to kill something that qualifies for Pope and young to, yep. I want to kill bigger stuff, older stuff. I want the biggest challenge there is. I'm like, what's the hardest possible thing? Boone and Crockett. Wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you hunt your whole life, you might shoot one with a rifle. Maybe. I wonder how many of those I could hear with a bow. And so that's right. just where my mind went. And so for about, I mean, my first one I killed in 2006, a mountain goat, okay. this, this mountain goat, right? there oh wow was the world record at the time i shot it um it's like number tied for number three now but um it you know so that that was my first booner and i've just been working on it ever since and i most of the hunts i go on i don't kill sure yeah i mean as any if if you're an honest bow hunter you'll they'll tell you that's that's generally how it goes what's your what what's your like i don't know what's your way of hunting that i you're incredibly successful. Look at the, the animals behind you, uh, for, for getting that trophy, that big an, old animal. What, what's, what do you do different that people maybe don't do? 
That's a great question. Um, Cause I want to shoot I mean, a bunch. The, so I, I just need all the, the information. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Like as far as being ready for that moment, you know, to make the shot, make the yeah. stock, make the shot, but none of that matters. If you shoot, shoot the first little one you see, right? Like that's the first hurdle. The first hurdle is you got to pass on younger animals. If you want to kill the big old massive buck, and I don't care what he scores. If you want to kill the old deer, you got to pass on the young deer. Yeah. Period. And it's very hard to do sometimes. You know, you it, hunting is what people don't realize is that how mentally taxing hunting is. So even whitetail hunting, you know, by the time, you know, you've been in the stand 15 to 20 days, it's like, man, this is hard. Yeah. Like I've spent 15 to 20 days in the stand. I've sacrificed time with my family, time away from work, time away from whatever. And I've been cold and miserable and I've passed all these deer and you start to compromise. Yeah. Maybe I should shoot the next one I see. Right. And, and it's, and it's natural. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Everybody can make that decision. If that's what they want to do, that's, but your question was, yeah. how do you kill the big one? Exactly. Right? So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with not killing the big one, but if you want to kill the big one, you got to be willing to go to 30 or 35 days in the stand yeah. or whatever it takes or in thinking more and positioning more and finding the right place to hunt in the right stand and the right time and put up enough cameras and all of that work that goes into whatever you're hunting, you got to make those sacrifices and be kind of relentless in, yeah. in, um, in your approach. I mean, the, the one that I'm struggling with the most is doll sheep. Um, that's I doll sheep is probably the toughest booner to kill. Um, because there's four of them on average killed a year in the world with a rifle. Think about that. How many people hunt doll sheep in Alaska, the Yukon and Northwest territories? I mean, Insane. I would guess thousands of people hunt doll sheep yeah. easily just in Alaska and four a year make the book. Insane. But, insane. And now I'm saying, Oh, I want to do that with a bow. So I think I'm running like 60, 66 days or something like that. Doll sheep hunting now. That's how much you've, you've booked already, you know, well, that's, how, yeah, that's what I've done in the past. So yeah. I'm 66 days into that hunt. Like I said, it's still one hunt Yep. and it I've is. yet to make a stock and I've passed 23 legal rounds. Really? So you've watched them and you just thought that's, that won't make books. I'm going to wait. I've got one, yeah, a I mean, singular I'm sure focus. I could go kill it and it would be fun. Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong and there's nothing wrong with that yeah but it i it wouldn't get me any closer to my goal yeah you know now would i shoot a really nice ram on the last day of a hunt i'm kind of getting to the point now where i would sure and, and i may do that several of those hunts were in alaska in alaska there's a, a four-year wait after you kill yeah so in that case no i'm not going to kill a nice ram on the last day of the hunt but i have been hunting in the, in the yukon lately and there you can kill a ram every year so yeah. this year I'm going to the Yukon, um, doll sheep hunting. If I have the opportunity on the last day, if I have a Ram that's nice, like in the one sixties, a really nice Ram yeah. that that's still top 10 in the world with the buck. Right. So yeah, I think, I think I'll do it, you know, just because like, look, anything could happen. I can't get in a car accident and get paralyzed and not be able to go doll sheep, doll sheep hunting anymore. And then, right. you know, I might as well have a doll sheep. Um, but <laughs> I, but I really do want to kill that booner. And I honestly, James, I don't know if it's possible. Sure. Like, okay. Yeah. Like if you think about the odds, they are so stacked against me, but the, I mean, the stone sheep isn't much different. And I have a 175 inch stone, which is the second largest ram ever killed with a bow, you know? So it, it does happen. Luck yep. does happen. I do rely on luck. I love sure. being lucky. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so you mentioned, you know, you're spending time away from family uh, and job and, and, you know, all these things sitting out there. Um, do you, you have a day job, right? You're not just yeah. field ethos oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah. No, I work like crazy. I own a, a smart home company, smart home and solar company I started. I mean, I, I work a lot. Yeah. More when did than you start that company? Where or when? When? Oh, um, this one I started in 2007. I had okay. another one that I started in 2000 that I sold. Okay. Uh, I actually sold that in 2005, took a year and a half off and hunted full time and found out that hunting isn't as much fun. We can do it every day. Yeah. Why is that? You think? I don't know. I, there's just gotta be balance in life. I don't yeah. know. I, cause now, you know, I not, I mean, that was the only time I've ever tried that, that 18 months, but it's like, you didn't appreciate right. the time off because you had, I, I, it, for me, I don't know. I just need to have, I have work and then I really look forward to going hunting. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so you guys, I mean, field ethos, uh, and field ethos bow hunting, which, which you kind of head up. We're, we're, how long has that been around? How did that get started? You know, looking at your website, you have president's sons and NFL players, big names in the hunting industry, yeah. all these, like, how did this come about? What was the idea behind it? Yeah. So I've been involved with field ethos for about a year and a half. Um, mm -hmm. it was going for, a year to year and a half before that, um, Jason Vincent and Don Trump Jr. started the company and the, not to put words in their mouth, but what they've told me and, and kind of, you know, our message is that uh, kind of like what I said earlier, that the modern hunting media isn't speaking to the people that we hang out with. So is it really speaking to the average American hunter? Yeah. And so we thought, you know, there, there's a, there's a place for a brand that isn't trying to make excuses or apologize for something or cater to some group that maybe doesn't hunt yet, which sure there's a place for that, but yeah. our brand talks to people who hunt and they grew up doing it or whatever. They just do it already. It's yeah. part of their life and, and they enjoy it. And so that's why the brand was started. Um, the bow hunting brand is very new. So I was brought on to start the bow hunting brand. And, and, um, we started with articles. We, we publish about one bow hunting article a week. And now just 10 days ago, we launched social for bow only, Yeah, which I run. And I mean, in 10 days, it's already over a thousand followers on Instagram. So you can see people like it. Yeah. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna grow very quickly. Um, that's that, that brand, you know, the bow brand will be a little bit different because, bow hunters like more technical stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and they like, they like some more instruction based stuff. And, um, and I like, I like delivering that stuff too. You know, I, I, I'm very particular about my equipment and my systems and the way I go about hunting. And, um, so I like sharing that. And so, so I'll, I'll be, I'll be delivering a lot of that content, but we have a whole team of guys and all of us bow hunt. So everybody will contribute, you know, um, sometimes it's hard to, get Don to send videos or whatever, but, but Don will be on there too. And Jeff is our, uh, our brand editor. He's a fantastic writer. He's, re he's written thousands of bow hunting articles over the years. He's a professional writer. Yeah. Um, Colin, the NFL player, you, you mentioned yeah. Colin Jones is, is a fanatical whitetail hunter, fanatical uh, archery whitetail hunter. So he'll be contributing as well. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very excited about the bow hunting part of the brand. I think that 
I think is going to take off. Yeah. Really fun. Well, and you're right. And, and the, we started actually, uh, before where we are now, the fair chase, we were just bow hunting focus. So, um, okay. for a couple of years, that was, that was it. And, and you're right. Uh, and I fall into the category too. It's like, you know, messing with your gear, dialing in your system. It's like bow hunters, especially, you know, we, we, a lot of times speak to a lot of whitetail hunters. It's like, that's what they think about all the time. Like what's the best release? Well, actually what's the best new release? Well, what about this, you know, or whatever you're talking about, right? Rest or, um, which is fun. Um, and it's fun to keep dialing in and and messing around with in the off season, which like I was telling you, I was doing right, right before we recorded. So the fair chase, I like your guys's name a lot. I mean, it's actually similar to Boone and Crockett's slogan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean, um, what, what exactly, how did you guys come up with the name and what does it mean? Yeah. So initially we were boga hunting and it was literally, my wife would say, she's going to go do yoga. I'm going to go. And I was like, well, I'll just go shoot my bow. And I just kept calling it boga. Um, <laughs> after a while, after a while, we wanted to, we wanted to broaden a little bit. We will gun hunt, we'll small game. We'll, we'll do, I mean, any excuse we can get to go hunting yeah. for something we'll do, um, fishing. And so, um, it's like, well, we got to think about like, uh, what, what, do, what are we about? What do we care about? Um, and there are, there's one of the things that kind of kept coming up as we, we talked about hunting was like, what constitutes like the a fair chase you know we we did this Mm -hmm. dog hunt for bears and got some some flack for that because Mm -hmm. you know that's not well that's not fair chase or whatever um and it starts a lot of that conversation going on right now you know utah utah where i live they just outlawed uh baiting and then trail cameras like trail cameras anywhere even on private land it's my saw that and it's i get it in some sense like I, I mean, I, I get like, if, if you don't hunt, you're like, that's not yeah. fair. You're using yeah. the, you, you just let lead this dog and you don't even do anything. It's like, well, go and take a dog hunting and see what it's all about. It's not what you think it is, <laughs> a lot goes you know, there. or just if yeah. you think a trail camera is really going to allow you just to murk deer or, or elk or whatever, it's just not true. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I mean, I'm sure if you've never hunted before and, and have not even spent any time looking into it, maybe you believe, oh, it's just a camera that makes it easier, this dog, and you just walk out and blast something out of a tree, mm-hmm. mountain lion or, or bear over bait. Uh, you know, it's just, you miss it and you miss, uh, you miss some of the idea behind, you know, like you said, with the, the importance of trophy hunting, uh, over bait, there's almost no better way to score a bear, to check a bear out or just to observe a bear, uh, or to shoot the oldest, oldest deer in the woods or whatever, right? Like the trail cameras help you age things and understand what you're shooting. Yeah. And, 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 and something just personally, what I really love about hunting is like learning how animals work. Like, like, how do they move? When do they move? Why? And that I love, I love that. And, and you know, you can do that with white tailed deer to your, you know, till you die and still not know all there is to know. Um, and so, you know, trail cameras, for example, are, are helpful for that. So all mm-hmm. these things started coming up and I'm like, well, we like to talk about it. I don't, I didn't, I was, I was afraid that we'd come across sounding, um, like we were woke hunters with, uh, Whoa, with that name. Yeah. Well, just so you know, I never thought that good. I, be, I think what really helps you is the fact that Boone and Crockett yes. uses that phrase, fair chase. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. I guess that could be a risk risk though. If, if somebody didn't, wasn't familiar with that as a, as an industry term. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you follow us for like five minutes or check yeah. anything when we posted, you'll realize we're, uh, yeah. we're not that. Um, but no, it, so that's, that was kind of our, our decision to move that way. It opened us up and, and it allowed for, for more different conversations, uh, yeah. which is, 
some interesting yeah. conversations because there obviously is lines lines that you can't they shouldn't cross sure. you know like drones and you know even i i'm not into the thermal thing no you no know? that's my personal opinion yeah right um the, i remember in texas several years back this is quite a few years back they they had this thing where you could get on the internet with a mouse and they had a gun on a turret at a bait and you no. could like aim it <laughs> click shoot and it was killing exotics over bait on the freaking internet like okay bro that's like disgusting that's, that's worse than i mean just yeah <laughs> it's one of the worst things i've ever heard so there's obviously things <laughs> that take it too far. So it yeah. is a good discussion. You know? And, it's and you a, and it's I, such a hard no line. two people are going to have the same yeah. lines. You exactly. Know? You know, that's the thing. It's, it's such a hard kind of blurry line. And, and a lot of times the answer is like, well, it depends, you know, mm-hmm. depends. Um, you know, I'm not blasting a deer out of the window of my car at night with the spotlight. Uh, right. Right. But I'm fine with, with, uh, you know, hound hunting for, for mountain lions or, or whatever, you know, by, by us in Michigan, maybe bears or, um, uh, bobcats or something like that. You know, I'm fine with that. Um, just because I've seen all the hours you got to train those dogs and run around and, and do all the things. So yeah, it's been fun and it's opened it up to some healthy, uh, discussion so far. Yeah. <laughs> so um, like all right. So, you know, you guys are, are growing fast. You're, you're hoping to at least influence uh, people who are, are hunters kind of improve the way that they, I, I would say, even talk about it. Your articles are well-written or story-based, which, you know, you tell a story of uh, you being a kid and, and that being what grabbed you. I was the same way. And some yeah. uncles that, that would hunt and their stories, I just would sit and listen, like, like glued to what they were saying. And then they would start, uh, they would get me magazine subscriptions when I was a kid. So like, a North American whitetail I had from when I was like five to when I was like 15 and they would, they would, they would, uh, give me subscriptions, stuff like that. I did the same thing, read cover to cover and slowly they, they went from stories to just ads. Like, uh, I would not have killed this deer if it wasn't for my super new carbon bow with expandable rage broadheads and new camo. And it's just, you know, so I appreciate what you guys are doing in that, that respect. Yeah. I, I, what you just nailed exactly the purpose of the brand is to get away from that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not compelling. It's not fun. It's just like, okay. It's like, I'm just watching a commercial uh, and and a lot of TV is that way too. Um, All right. Well, where is, where's hunting headed? Like where's hunting conservation? Where are we going? Like what, what's it look like to you? Yeah. um, It seems to me like, like the number of hunters that are willing to travel and spend money is increasing, yeah, which, which is good. But it seems to me like the number of hunters that are willing to hunt in their backyard and pass it on to the next generation is maybe not increasing. So I don't know, you know, I definitely don't, I don't want hunting to become an elitist sport yeah. Even though somebody could look at my hunting and say that it's an elitist style of hunting and whatever, I'm not against that. I'm just saying, I want it to be like, you know, you know, I, I grew up begging my dad and granddad to take me out on a walk with a shotgun on 10 acres behind our house, you yeah. know, like that's important, you yeah. know, um, in Utah, the, you know, the, the first day of hunting season, they always, 
uh, coincide that with like a teacher work day. So they <laughs> like you get school off, you know, and, and I know I have so many friends here who every deer opener, they go out with three generations and they camp and they deer hunt and they haven't killed a deer in 20 years. <laughs> but they're i'm serious they don't know what they wouldn't know what to do if they killed one but they do they buy a hunting license and they go and i think that's awesome yeah and it's it's like a great like tradition and american tradition to to be involved with hunting yeah. and um to carry a gun around in the woods with attempting to shoot something you know i think it's awesome i i hope we can keep it going i hope we can keep a a good number of people doing that um i i you know this the woke hunting thing and the the meat eater style of brand i can't say i'm totally against it because i i do think that it maybe opens more minds to hunting because it's going so far that direction it's like somebody to bring some of those people back but those same people are typically appalled at trophy hunting so they don't understand the other side of it you know so man it's a complicated question that i certainly wasn't prepared to answer <laughs> surprise i, I, really I did know. not prepare you for that <laughs> yeah. yeah i really don't know i i i fear that that numbers will continue to drop um and over the next couple of decades we're going to see a, a huge drop in the percentage of americans that hunt because i don't see the kids yeah um, you know, just, I mean, I remember, you know, talking to teenagers 20 years ago and it just seemed like way more common for them to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I coach wrestling and stuff. And it seems like the kids I coached, a lot of them hunted yeah. and now a few of them hunt. Sure. So and I then just, they so look that, at I know you it's weird. anecdotal, but I just feel it slipping away. Yeah. Even though on the on the one side, like the number of hunters that are traveling and booking hunts and doing all these things, I think that's definitely increasing, but that's like a lifestyle change. Yeah. A different, you know, a different way of doing it. It doesn't mean that the number of hunters who actually go vote at the ballot box are going up. Yeah. That, that's an interesting thought. And you, you mentioned, you know, going out uh, with this, these guys that go out three generations and deer hunt, they take a, a gun out. Um, you know, I'm speaking from a, man's perspective but that's where you go and kind of learn what it is to be a man in in some sense at least growing up Mm -hmm. it would be like deer camp with dad uncles great grandpas great grandpas great uncles and you're there and it's like what are the guys how do they act what do they talk about Mm -hmm. um you know what's important what's not important uh what 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 do you joke about what do you not joke about um there's there's like um there's something more than just hunting that happens uh when, when you're doing that um, and I, that's a I, really great point yeah i don't i don't like that going away I, the, uh, on the flip side though less people in the woods would be sweet because i love when <laughs> i go out there and see anybody especially in michigan we got like opening day of deer season <clears throat> this year's on a saturday which kind of blows uh because i have yeah. kind of one spot that i know people do tend to find eventually like but early in the season i always get into some good deer now it's going to be Saturday, Saturday morning. I know there's just going to be a pile of trucks and dudes walking around right when the sun comes up there. So I always think in the back of my mind, selfishly, like, oh, maybe I'll see less people messing up my hunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a catch 22, right? Yeah. Yeah. We want to see it grow, but it's a limited resource, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was reading um, this book yeah. about uh, Daniel Boone, um, kind of his trek to Kentucky and love his love for uh, kind of like this untapped Kentucky wilderness, you know, and how, how amazing he thought that was. He'd go away for sometimes like a year or two and just kind of show up when he was done um, back to his family. But the, at the same time, he, he was like part of moving people out there. And so it was like the same kind of paradox where you don't want any, he wants it like undisturbed, but he, at the same time, he's like bringing, ushering yeah, people that way too. And I think a lot of hunting is that way. It's like, you want to be alone in the woods, but you want as many people as you can doing it at the same well, what, time what are we doing right now james like you know we're promoting it yeah we're promoting the sport yeah yeah exactly so it's a strange balance and it's but i i can't help but talk about it at some point because yeah. it's important um yeah all right well where's he where, where's field ethos headed especially bow hunting you said there's some good videos coming out what, what are you guys got going on in, yeah in yeah i think um you know we want to share share adventure and story and, um, and also, um, education on how to do things as effectively as possible with a bow. Yeah. Um, I know, I know there's, there's been, I've learned so much, you know, over the last 23 years I've been bow hunting. I mean, I, there's like my first few years, I, like I killed a couple of animals, but I'm telling you what, I would have never pulled it together to make, make a shot on an important shot on a, on a giant, I would yeah. mess it up, you know, and there's, I've learned a lot to where I feel really confident now, you know, you don't, you don't ever want to be too confident. Like you can still, right. miss. but you know, bow hunting's funny because you can miss at any point in time you can miss, you know, I think the biggest difference honestly is the rest. The fact that you can take your rifle and put it on a tree limb or on a 2000 pound rock or whatever. And no matter how nervous you are, that 2000 pound rock does not shake. Yeah. And in bow hunting, when you get nervous, it affects your muscles and you have to hold the, draw the bow, hold the bow and aim while you're shaking, while your muscles are shaking. And there's also this, you know, the target panic thing, because oh. your muscles are involved and they're shaking and everything else or the buck fever more than, I don't know, target panic. I actually don't believe in target panic for the record. I put in the same category. What's wrong with Sasquatch. me then? Watch. I don't believe it exists. What's, what's wrong with me then? If it's not target panic, you just have to right. believe it doesn't exist. You have to believe it doesn't exist, James. Okay. If I, okay. If that's really it's it. kind of a joke, but, but like, uh, it's, cause like, it's been, that's what I've been messing with. Like some days I can have my pin right where I need it. And some days it stays like four inches high and it doesn't yeah, go so down. So you're suffering with that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, have you, have you done blank bell shooting? Some. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah, done that. that, that and like I can, I do would it. switch straight to blank bell. Yeah. Um, I'd shoot more blank bell than at targets until it goes away. Just keep, just kind of close. What do you close your eyes or you take your sights off or e- either way, or just aim at something, you know, aim, aim at a, a white bag that you're not, aiming for anything just i gotta hit the white bag and draw back you don't need to close your eyes um and, yeah. and just feel the release feel the yeah. release feel the release anyway i mean that i have never had target panic but i've heard that many many times and i blank bell shoot as well just to keep my release feeling smooth as soon as sure. i feel myself get punchy i go to the blank bell um, and your your back tension you know are you using a back tension or what kind of release you, you rocking yeah i i use a a uh, index finger release that oh. i have extremely short 
and I shoot with my middle finger and I wrap my middle finger all the way around it at the second knuckle to the point where I pull with my back and it goes off. So oh, I shoot an smart. index finger release with back tension has 135 pound spring in it, yeah. which transfers to about a six pound trigger pull, really, really heavy trigger so that I can load it up with my back and pull. So you're, you, so it's not, not like a hair trigger. It's, it takes oh, no. heavy, heavy, heavy. If you're going to use this method and it is a popular method Forrest Carter at Carter releases yeah. was the one that that um, explained it to me the first time I was kind of doing it. And then when he articulated, it, I'm like, that's what I've been trying to do. And I finally figured it out. So you shoot a very heavy trigger, wrap your finger around it. And the, the, the image in your mind, as you're holding your bow back, your fingers so heavy on that trigger that the image is that I'm holding this, this entire weight of the bow back with my finger. Oh. And as I pull harder against that finger with my back, it eventually breaks. I'm gonna have to deal with that because I've been messing with. I get a, a thumb release. I have a, a index finger release. Um, all right, I'm gonna look at that. That's interesting. Yeah. I've not heard anybody say that. The Carter Quickie is a good one with the yeah. heaviest spring they make because um, you have to have a heavy spring. It does not work with a hair trigger. Yeah, and both yeah. of mine are hair triggers right now. Yeah, which yeah. I think and makes that me hair trigger punchy. thing, man. That's not good for target panic. No, that like, is not shit, good. Shit, you know, no, that's yeah. I would definitely yeah. If you're struggling with target panic, switch switch to a more intense. Uh, less intentional release. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I might go do that after this. <laughs> so that's an example of uh, yeah. what I was talking about that we want to share knowledge, but we also want to share entertainment. Yeah. We want to share adventures and stories and knowledge on Phil Lethal's bowing. Yeah, man, you guys have been doing a great job. Um, we're, we're coming up on time here, uh, but Alan, thank you for, for going through this, uh, putting up with my questions for a little while. Um, for, for people who are listening, who want to check out, uh, some of the bow hunting content that you're doing, um, where, where can they find you? Field ethos bow hunting. Field ethos bow hunting. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's all one word, field ethos bow hunting. Yep. I'll link on, to it when this article goes, or this uh, podcast goes out, I'll, I'll put a link uh, to it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, put it on our page as well and, and my personal page, uh, Alan Bolin. And uh, I really appreciate it. This is a, it's a fun talk. Yeah, good to meet you. And uh, hopefully uh, you have some pretty good hunts this year. Yeah, we talk about some other time, but yeah, I do have a lot planned. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Thanks. man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it. Five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.